Bet365 sponsors Stahlkast, and with over 45 million members, they're the world's favorite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to build your own personalized bet. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. It's Starcast, the German football pod without football. There are no games, but still plenty to talk about as the Bundesliga come together as one and decide to do nothing, well, for the moment. UEFA bin Euro 2020 and TSK Hoffenheim benefactor Dietmar Hopp goes from the most hated man on the terraces to the saviour of the world. All of this and more in Starcast. Hi, I'm Rafael Honigstein. Before we get on with the pod, let me just remind you that there are, of course, still things happening on The Athletic. For example, a really interesting interview, if I may say so, with René Maric, the assistant coach of Borussia Mönchengladbach. Check that and other things out on The Athletic. But now, let me introduce you to the full house of contributors. We have Kevin Hatchard, Christoph Biermann and Jonathan Harding all standing by in splendid self-isolation. Right, gents, before we start talking about what happened as far as the uh, Euros and the uh, Bundesliga postponement are concerned. Let's hear a little bit about your way of dealing with this. Uh, Christoph, have you been indulging in old Bochum VHS tapes about the glory days? (laughs) No, no, I think I should start to reconnect my uh, VHS uh, recorder to the TV set. I don't know if if it's still possible. Actually, what I did on the weekend uh, when I was uh, meeting some friends, it was only two. So so I think we were safe. Um, We were watching uh, some football songs and uh, football chants and and stuff like that. And... um, and to be honest, it changed my mood to the better. <laughs> what have you been doing to change your mood for the better, Kevin? The kitchen has never looked so tidy, so that's a start. Um, so my wife's been very impressed with that. The uh, kids have been uh, whacking the ball past me into our goal that we have in the garden on a regular basis, so they very much enjoyed that. And I've also taken that uh, losing streak into the virtual world as well uh, because I've been losing a lot of online football as well. So uh, a mixed picture, but yes, it's been uh, a break of sorts. Jonathan, more hummus making, more time for that? (laughs) Uh, Definitely some more hummus making. That's definitely happened, yeah. Um, But also packing as um, we're about to move. So give me an opportunity to, well, hopefully. Anyway, (laughs) a chance to go through my football kits, some retro, some retro choices back in the day. Uh, it's been nice to reminisce. Favorites, Jonathan. Treasured, yeah. I was going to ask uh, the same question. <laughs> some some good ones. Urawa red diamonds. Um, yes. And Trom- Tromzo's home kit. Uh, them from from <laughs> Norway. That's a really good one. I also have Germany's black 2010 um, South Africa kit and the green uh, one that they wore. Want to say in the 90s, Italian 90. Um, so yeah, some some good array of colours there for sure. Well, that's nice. Now I've been spending a lot of time with the kids at the weekend, looking at my phone, trying to find out if there's any scores to look at. <laughs> it was very very strange to be there uh, in spring with no no football uh, being on. Yeah, I guess we can live with it for one week, maybe one month. Don't know how long we can live with it without 
without it completely. But as far as UEFA are concerned, we will definitely won't be seeing any Euros in 2020. I think that uh, didn't come as a big surprise. The Euros will be moved to 2021 at the expense of the Club World Cup, which might or might not come back the following summer. What the Bundesliga did on Monday in their big meeting was to say that we are hoping to come back in April, but we will reconvene at the end of March. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of it, um, is it fair to say that Christian Seifert, the uh, Bundesliga CEO, has is having a very good coronavirus crisis? I would say so, yes. He was very impressive in his press conference after the meeting. And also, what I've uh, spoken to several people from different clubs who were in the meeting, and they were also impressed. Obviously, he was very focused. One person said he was even aggressively fighting to, to get all the clubs in in order or in one line or, the, or behind his his idea and obviously he was uh, successful with it. What I liked also when he was speaking to the public that he was not the kind of I know it all, but he was saying to, we were trying to make the best decisions, but maybe today we find out that they were wrong. And I think uh, that's a very good attitude at the time for everybody involved in this crisis, trying to do the best you can do, but be open to realize uh, that uh, uh, things change very quickly. And I think that's a key point as well, because I know certainly people within the media side of things, um, how hard they've been working to make sure all bases are covered and things have changed, not just from day to day, but from hour to hour. The situation is is changing so rapidly and they've had to try and keep up with that. I thought one of the things that was really interesting about Zeifert and the way he approached this was that He's trying to strike a balance between obviously public health being absolutely of paramount importance, but he knows the damage financially that this could do. And I think that's why he's been so staunch in his backing of the potential of of so-called Geisterspiel, uh, ghost games, because they know that realistically, if they're going to get this season completed... Most, if not all, of those games are maybe going to have to take place without fans. And do you sense, Jonathan, that uh, the the public's view about the ghost games has maybe shifted somewhat? I get the idea, or I get the sense that there was a lot of resistance, especially on the back of seeing uh, Paris Saint-Germain play Dortmund, seeing Borussia Mönchengladbach playing Köln. But I think it's becoming more accepted now as an idea or as the only realistic alternative to get the season finished what do you think I don't know I still think there's probably quite a lot of opposition still to the idea of playing football without fans especially here in Germany where you know it's it seems beyond comprehension to play the sport without the involvement of the fans given how involved they are generally in day-to-day -day life uh, with with the football club in each respective city I I don't know what the answer is I can't help but feel that I would like to see um, this idea of, of a fund set up that uh, the big clubs in Germany uh, do their best to help the smaller ones. Given that the country's famous for its, you know, fans and, and engagement and, and the way that they're so supportive, I think it would be good to see some of that in action. I don't know. I'm not a business person, so I don't know the numbers or whether it would be possible financially to do that. But I can't help but feel that someone like Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund could could certainly do their bit to help a smaller team. Given that we're in completely unknown territory, 
And if, you know, as Christian Seifert really did say that this is about battling for survival of football teams, then it seems to me that some of the bigger bigger teams in this country could certainly do their bit to help one another. I think the idea of a fund or, or something like that is is good. But I think it uh, it won't work in this situation because everybody is hugely affected um, by this crisis. So even the giants of, of German football like Borussia Dortmund or uh, Bayern Munich will not be able to st- sustain this situation for, for a very long time. And I think... Uh, they wouldn't be able to uh, finance the rest of the league or the two leagues. I think also there is an is an enormous shift in in the perception of uh, Geisterspiele, ghost matches, because um, everybody now has understood uh, that is more or less the option to have this kind of metadon fo- football also that the the clubs get the revenue from uh, from TV and and from from sponsors or to go bankrupt and so i think everybody is very very dedicated to finish the season and maybe they have to push the restart of the bundesliga even towards the end of april I think there is almost no serious discussion about Geisterspiele anymore, even among uh, diehard fans. I think one thing they are going to have to look at, though, when we do bring Ghost Games back, and I agree with the guys, I think that is the only logical way forward here because you do need to have something for the tv companies to show and you need some way of maintaining jobs within the industry but they are going to have to look at the issue of thousands of fans gathering outside stadiums when these games are being played behind closed doors we've seen it in the champions league outside the mestaya and outside uh, the parc des princes as well we've seen it in the bundesliga with fans outside borussia park and i think there's going to have to be some kind of dialogue to try and get fans to stay away because otherwise what you may have I guess is a situation where we do bring the Bundesliga back we do start to have ghost games but then after a few games the the authorities look at it and think is this sustainable because there are thousands of fans going to the games outside the stadiums. Borussia Dortmund and Bayern ultras before the last round of matches which ultimately did not take place did release communiques statements saying that they would not congregate and uh, very much accept that their social responsibility one would hope that that would uh, act as a as an example and a role model to to other fans if and when football does come back but uh, Christoph you have your ear very close to the ground in the league is there a realistic way forward of how these ghost games can come about I mean our clubs talking about testing players before the games uh, i mean what is the the scenario here how how can that happen i think one of of the other aspects of this uh, meeting in frankfurt yesterday was to gain some more time to think about this the league is working on is now look at your um, finances and and look how solid you are and how big your problems are in the recent days and weeks and that's the first time. And then the second t- uh, thing is you try to find a, a solid answer to the question you, you were putting because it's, um, 
it's obviously yeah, if, if one player is infected so is the whole team going into quarantine or and then uh, the team can't play even the most delayed uh, calendar it won't work in the end so i think there are a lot of uh, questions maybe will you try to test players for Uh, a day before the match to uh, find out if uh, if uh, any of of the players is infected and so so that uh, there are a lot of practical questions uh, and i would say nobody has an answer right now but probably um, they have it in in days and and in the next two weeks to come uh, until their next meeting would it really not be possible sorry christoph just to come back would it really not be possible with the fund i mean obviously you know much more than i do but i just find it really baffling that 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 combined with say players giving up their wage because we're in extraordinary times right now and i really don't feel like very many people know how to handle it and nor should they and nor should they be blamed for that but one person doesn't necessarily need to earn a hundred thousand euros a week and given the situation if we're talking about infrastructure on mass we're talking about employees and we're talking about wider impacts is there not a financial model that someone could create who has a much smarter idea than I do of how this thing would work of taking the income of some of the highest earned uh, players, combining that with some of the income that clubs might have been saving for, I don't know, future developments or something like that? Given the current situation, this is obviously more pressing and pooling it together. It's not that I'm resistant to the idea of Geisterspieler personally. I just would like to see maybe another idea entertained or is that just totally impossible i think that is going to happen in 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 one way or another so all the clubs will approach their players because for all the clubs the money they're making is is mostly going to their players so they will tell them hey uh, folks we are in a in a very very difficult uh, situation how can you help us and i think a lot of of the players uh, will fully understand it and and if you're, uh, let's say, if your top earner with um, 10 million or so, I think it's not a problem to say reduce it to half or don't pay me the next three months or, or whatever, and we will find a solution. A problem is with the smaller clubs because when you look at the uh, second division, and also the uh, third level of German football that is also professional and even the fourth level of German football is, is, is professional at some clubs and they don't have any revenues anymore. We have a lot of players that have a very average income that um, uh, for them it's probably not an option to say, uh, okay, I uh, grant you half of my money or even 20%. So I think it's a very complicated situation. We always think about the big players that earn uh, 15 million a year or 12 or 14 or, or whatever. But I, I, I think the, um, there are also a lot of other players with, with lower incomes. And um, yeah, I think you'd have to make it a voluntary and be anonymous to some extent, because you couldn't just impose a haircut and say you 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 and you are our top earners we'll take x amount and give it to other players who are struggling um you'd hope that players would be prepared to volunteer in that way but you'd have to also make it anonymous because then you wouldn't want to necessarily expose the ones 
that didn't contribute. Or, or those that tried to use it for personal image Yeah, gain. absolutely, absolutely. Unless it's Thiago, where you would expose him. <laughs> Christoph, did you hear anything about the, the time frame of this? I mean, the reason why UEFA and the leagues, I guess, want to finish by the end of June is because it saves them for this contractual headache with contracts running out. Is there any suggestion that contracts could be extended and on an ad hoc basis for a couple of months if that's necessary? Or are they still laboring under the the hope under the suggestion that this can all finish by the 30th of June, of June. I'm not a legal expert, but what I hear is obviously we have a situation where you think nothing is impossible, but, but right now it looks like as if it is impossible to extend the, the contracts for one more month or, or so uh, collectively. Maybe we, we see a, a development there, but I think at the moment everybody sees a 30th of June as the deadline. Is that realistic in your view, Kevin and Jonathan? We don't know. I mean, it's a very fluid, fluid situation. You would hope that there'd be enough opportunity to get games completed by then. I mean, I guess... One of the things about the German football calendar is that midweeks uh, are generally kept very, very blank. So you would hope that they could maybe engineer a situation where teams were playing uh, at the weekend and also midweek. Obviously, that happens in England all the time. Hence the fact it's called English Evoca whenever they had it. I have a midweek set in Germany and everybody goes on about it for about a month before and a month <laughs> afterwards. But um, uh, so you would hope so. Um, and I think that is what the work towards, because I think uh, it would be so complex if we do go past June the 30th, because then you're into all kinds of legal wranglings. There are some players that might not want to extend their contracts. Players might not want to get injured if they've got a move lined up to a new club. So there are all kinds of potential problems beyond June the 30th that I don't think there's going to be uh, a quick fix for those. So it feels to me that for this season, that June the 30th is going to be a hard deadline that all of the leagues are going to have to adhere to. One of the more interesting uh, thoughts that I've seen somebody express, I think, on Twitter was the idea that the coronavirus crisis could change the makeup of the Bundesliga and could hasten the development of a more investor-led system with clubs effectively needing someone to bail them out. And we know it's not going to be the German state that will bail out the Bayern Munichs and Borussia Dortmunds. Do you fear that this could be the outcome, Jonathan? I'm worried about the complete existence of German football as it is, you know, and it's how, I don't know, in, in a way it's so odd at the beginning of the season, there's a lot of talk about who's going to win the title and the impacts of that. And when we got to January, obviously we were, you know, the stage was set for a potentially historic turnaround in, in on the football pitch in terms of what would happen if, if uh, RB Leipzig won the title, because that would have been a watershed moment for German football and probably would have been the downfall of 50 plus one. Now, from a completely different direction, there's certainly a, a lot of, I don't want to say sharks in the water, but I think, you know, at a time like this, when a lot of people have a lot of time to think and there are a lot of opportunities to consider how to make changes and you have to assess a financial model, which is under great strain, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if uh, such ideas came to the fore and we saw drastic changes to the infrastructure of German football just out of, of the situation. Um, just because of the context that 
that it's happening in. I agree. I see it as a real threat, especially if the season is not finished. So if the season is not finished, there are 750 million euros that were in the budgets will not be coming. And so everybody is more or less bankrupt or 80% of the clubs and, and so. And uh, if, if you want to survive, uh, a lot of people would say, yeah, we need money, we need cash flow and so on to, to, to let the club survive. And uh, the only option then would be investors because no bank, as Jonathan said, uh, and, and the, the state would, wouldn't bail out uh, the Bundesliga. There w- would be no acceptance uh, for this. And, and so in the end, yes, uh, it's a real threat for f- 50 plus one. So in the end, we probably would have a, a complete different uh, football landscape and the loss of the, what, what I would say, uh, German football identity. I think we'd all want to cling on to 50 plus one if we possibly could. If there was a scenario whereby that wasn't going to be manageable, then that's the scenario that Christoph has outlined there, then what you would hope is that if they did need to to bring in investors, if they did need to allow that and go for perhaps a more English model, if you like, what you would hope wouldn't happen is the adoption of what is England's very lax approach uh, to who should own a football club, because we've seen numerous examples up and down the leagues in England of uh, mismanagement and uh, the wrong people being in charge. But don't you of think, Kevin, clubs? if that happened, don't you think, or wouldn't you be concerned? I certainly already am, even at the mention of it there, that we would already be at the altar, proverbially, at, of the investor at that point. Because, you know, as Christoph said, if everybody's 750 million down and that person comes in and saves the football club, whether you like it or not, you're indebted to them. And of course. That's a Absolutely. situation of power that is very difficult to, to avoid as much as I would hope that the current football structure stays the way that it does because ultimately that's what sets Germany apart. I do have you know great fear that, that that's going to change and, and Germany is going to become unrecognisable. Yeah, and I guess, you know, this is a scenario that isn't ideal if it, if it comes to that. You know, as, as we've said, I think, you know, we're all pretty much defenders of 50 plus one and, and German football, you know, is very special to all of us. And one of the main reasons for that is, is the 50 plus one model and the way that these clubs are managed. However, if it's a choice between extinction of many of those clubs and them being saved, as unpalatable as that might be, that might be the way we have to go. What what I feel is if we do have to go in that direction, what we would want is much more stringent controls on who can take over those clubs because I don't think they'll be short of offers. I don't think they'll be short of potential investors, or at least I hope they wouldn't be. So hopefully they would be... You know, there'll be more checks and balances in German football than there are in English football. Well, maybe the clubs will get lucky and they will all get a really wealthy owner like Dietmar Hopp, who has gone from uh, public enemy number one to the man who might just save the world, uh, thanks to one of his investments, which uh, for those who haven't followed the stories, uh, one of the companies he owns in biotechnology is working hard on a vaccine uh, for the coronavirus. And uh, he has um, very publicly declared that uh, it will be uh, shared uh, across the world, not just given to the US, uh, in spite of some strong interest, uh, allegedly from Donald Trump. 
Um, that's a hell of a plot twist, isn't it? Uh, what a Hop. plot twist. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like something out of Netflix. So it's just crazy. Season two, star, bang. Change. Hop change. <laughs> I was going to say how quickly things change, but the banners now seem about four years ago. I mean, every yeah. day feels like four years ago at the rate <laughs> yeah, of news these true. days, to be honest. <laughs> that is true. Well, we can only hope, I guess, um, whether we like Deepma Hop or not, that uh, he will, his company will be successful and, and finding a treatment or, or uh, indeed uh, somebody else will as soon as possible for all our sake. Um, but before we go and to lighten the mood just a little bit, I thought I was going to ask you all about your your favorite moment, your funniest moment, your feel-good moment of the season so far. I start with you, Jonathan. God, it's tough. You know, I go first, a lot of pressure. You know, we were just talking about the season. And on one hand, I am really tempted to talk about how amazing the season has been up until this point, how amazing the title race was, how close it was. The Bundesliga finally shed its, you know, so-called boring tag. Everybody was looking at it. There was so much going on. It felt like really one of the most exciting seasons to be a part of. You had Haaland, you had Lewandowski, all of that. However, I can't not talk about Saarbrücken making the German Cup semi-finals <laughs> because, quite frankly, first time a fourth division side has ever done that. Their goalkeeper, Daniel Batts, making, you know, four saves in the shootout, one in the game on penalties. It's just an unbelievable story to, to get them there. And, and I just, I hope that they make the final, whatever happens with football, when they have the chance to play. So yeah, I think Saarbrücken making the German Cup semi-finals has, has got to be up there in terms of feel good, which is something that we all need to do right now. You make me feel already better just uh, reminding us of this. So well done. <laughs> but there was a time Kevin? when we were watching football matches. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah. don't Christoph. It's already sad to talk about it. <laughs> um, mine is, well, I'm always, uh, as a commentator, a sucker for a story whereby a player has been injured for a long, long time and comes back and then does something remarkable. Uh, so I wanted to focus just for a little while on Timothy Chandler. Uh, former American international, missed most of last season with a knee injury. Uh, he had uh, a meniscus tear and then he had to have an operation on that. So he only played 16 minutes uh, of the Bundesliga season last season for Eintracht Frankfurt. And going into the second half of this season, he'd only scored seven career goals in the top flight. He hadn't scored for a couple of years. In his first five appearances of 2020, he scored four times, including a brace, no less, against Augsburg. And pretty much everybody connected with Timmy Chandler will tell you that he's a, he's a pretty good guy. So I'm delighted for him. In the perspective of supporter of VfL Bochum, uh, there's nothing to, to, to tell uh, this season. And uh, if it would be Bochum alone, maybe it would, good, it would be good to, to stop the season right now and forget about it. But there was a heartwarming football match I have seen at the beginning of the season and that was on the third day of the season when Union Berlin was playing Borussia Dortmund and were beating them and there was an incredible atmosphere at the stadium and the sense of disbelief that was so fantastic about it the sense of disbelief that the little union berlin with the humble history the club is having is not only playing borussia dortmund in a league match but also beating them that was that was fantastic to experience in in the stadium also when you were looking at the players and and no maybe not the coaches but but the players everybody had this sense of disbelief that a miracle is is happening 
And uh, later on, in the, during the season, they found out that they actually belong there. But at that time, they were like, they were like everybody in the stadium and on the pitch were like, like children wondering about the miracles of things going on. And that was really, really nice to, to see. Yeah. And I would like the, to see something like that again, please. That would be nice. Yeah, the, the, the miracle of Köpenick. But uh, now I do remember the link I had for you, Christoph. I was going to ask you if uh, what it is that Elf Freunde have done to jinx the season because uh, you famously, <laughs> you famously put on put on clubs and players who or managers who either get fired the next week <laughs> or completely <laughs> get destroyed in the case of Hertha uh, what have you done to the season have you put on like 2020 is the best season ever on, on next month's cover or <laughs> no, what, no, what, no. What, what did you do every now and then we're trying to put a Bayern player on the cover of the magazine but it doesn't work then so <laughs> no and uh, also not with Borussia Dortmund and so so uh, no, no We are un we're not guilty, uh, Your Honor. <laughs> Innocent. Okay, good. Well, I think uh, that brings matters to a conclusion. I feel better already. Uh, if you if you want to know my feel good story or my positive story, I'd probably have to say Niko Kovac leaving Bayern. Um, <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> wow. Oh. Uh, it's made it's made watching them much more enjoyable. I'm talking of it as a complete neutral, of course. Of course. Um, before anyone oh, yes. misunderstands, <laughs> yeah. Um, it just, uh, yeah. I mean, they they look they look better. They look better uh, since he's gone. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks, Jens, for for tuning in. We hope to be back very soon. Um, even better with football, but even without, we'll be back to to talk to you, to entertain you, to give you some more insights on the latest developments. Stay with us with Starcast, uh, courtesy of The Athletic. Thanks. Bye-bye.